Hello, welcome to This Week in the Atlantic Coast Conference, the podcast for allsportsdiscussion.com. This is Jeff, one of your podcast co-hosts, and you can follow me on Twitter at TalkinACCSports. The podcast moderator is Matthew, and you can follow him at ASD underscore Hokey Smash. I'm going to turn it over to Matthew now as we welcome our guest, uh, Tim Thomas. And uh, we're just waiting for Tim to get loaded on here, but I'm going to turn it over to you now, Matthew. Yeah, as I said, we have a terrific guest tonight in Tim Thomas. And Jeff, I have to give you some compliments here. Thank you for remembering my Twitter and uh, Twitter account name. I always seem to to type the wrong <laughs> I seem to type the wrong one. So I'm glad that you could remember it. I'm forgetting these th- I'm forgetting these things. Uh he's uh we're getting a we're getting a um a uh, message from Tim saying that he hasn't seen the invite yet. Uh Jeff, so maybe you can post it either inside the the Twitter DM or you can post it on the Google Doc, the Google Doc or or oh, a nice. Oh, I see him joining the room now. And I see Tim live. Tim, can you hear us, friend? We can barely hear you. Can you turn your volume up or use the phone without a microphone? Uh, you're very, very, very quiet. Let's see. Is this better? That's much better. Okay. I'm trying to figure out what this. I've got a different phone since last time. Welcome, sir. I just, I want to make sure I give people your background here first. Uh, We've got a great return guest here, folks. It's Tim Thomas. You can follow Tim on Twitter at at T-I-M Thomas, T-H-O-M-A-S-T-L-P. He's the owner and operator of TechLunchPail.com, and you can follow their site account at at TechLunchPailD. That's at T-E-C-H-L-U-N-C-H-P-A-I-L-D. That's at T-E-C-H-L-U-N-C-H-P-A-I-L-D. Again, it's Tim Thomas. You can follow him on Twitter at at TimThomasTLP. That's at T-I-M-T-H-O-M-A-S-T-L-P. And We've had Tim on here for several years. I mean, he was on here when he first started blogging with a Hokies fan-sided blog, and he ditched that in a hurry because he, like us, like he is just like us. He likes his independence, and he has grown his blog into really the most popular Virginia Tech blog, independent blog, I should say, on the internet. I don't. I really don't think it's close. And it's just been an amazing. It's been amazing for us to watch watch his blog grow over several years. It, it's an independent blog which cover, covers Virginia Tech, Tech athletics, and he also has several site site uh, site authors, and you know even has photographers here and there who provide things to him. So, Tim, welcome back to the All Sports Discussion ACC podcast. It's always a great tradition having you come on here pre- previewing Virginia Tech football with us you come on with us during the season as well for 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 a check-in on acc football and a check-in on acc basketball welcome back tim the floor is yours yeah matt jeff thanks for having me on uh like i said uh yeah we i've been fortunate enough to get to be on several times over the years uh 
ever since actually the first time, of course, was back in 2015 when we had just I had just left Finding Nobbler and launched Tech Lunch Tale um, eight years ago, over eight years ago. Um, so incredible. We've continued to see incredible growth this year, especially um, as one of the leading publications um, covering Virginia Tech sports alongside, obviously, tech in terms of not in terms of digital or traditional in terms of com along with sites like tech sideline roanoke times uh one of the most primary on the beat uh covers of virginia tech athletics outside of the tv realm um so it's great to be back i'm a civil and engineering alum of virginia tech um so um, that's not your traditional thing uh, i've been fortunate with the sports media program at tech to have some tremendous writers come in and through over the years. I got a great team right now with Will Lachlan doing a great job in a lot of things. Ryan Duvall, who's had leading our baseball coverage. Connor Mardian doing a great job on softball. Um, Ryan Wilkes has done some stuff for us. Peyton C., a good friend of mine, who's not a tech, the one who's not a tech student, but great friend of mine, has done some great stuff for us as well. So uh, we got a great team of people. Uh, you can also find me weekly on ESPN Blacksburg on Friday afternoons, Monday mornings on uh, – on the Big Dog Talk Sports Talk Show in the NRV as well. Um, you can find me on ESPN Richmond sometimes, talking there, and a whole lot of places. And, of course, Tim Thomas TLT on Twitter and Tech Lunch TLT is our site website handle. So, like I said, a lot to discuss. Um, obviously, the football side of it, um, you know. <laughs> Good thing we're going to talk, I think, may talk about some basketball stuff uh, first, some more positive stuff than the rebuild that is happening on the football front. Definitely, sir. Definitely, sir. And I just want to like also give you a quick shout out because you're one of the few people that really, and I know we're going to get into football later here, but I really wanted to give your side a plug here. You're one of the few people that really blogs about the transfer portal and its impact at Virginia Tech football. Yeah, no, like I said, you know, it's, it's part of the business, you know, it's one of the unique things we have to cover it. Um, no, and I'm, and I, I, I enjoy covering it as well, um, you know, to see what, who could fit? Why could they fit? You know, it's the it's the fun of the blog space. It's the fun of things like being, you know, whether it's us being in this internet realm where we're not just reporting the news per se, like the Roanoke Times or the newspapers, but we can be. It's what we, you know, it's why, you know, sites like ours and Tech Sideline and BT Scoop and some of these other great places that are around that cover Virginia Tech sports. Um, it's part of the fun and figuring out who, why, what's the odds, and trying to put some facts together and put some analysis and be like, okay, let's think about this in a rational way. Let's see what it, what the real is. And doesn't mean that sometimes we'll get in some hot takes. We will. But the hope is that you can see if we disagree that you can see there's some thought to it. So. So let's get to some, let's get to some really good fun things here to talk about. And, Maybe a, a, I, I would say a, you know, kind of an opposite. So it sets the sets of the coin here. You've got the Virginia Tech men's and women's, women's basketball seasons. Seemed to me, Tim, and you, you'd probably go in a little more detail than this, but it seemed to me that if, if Virginia Tech were to put like the name Duke on every uniform, opposing uniform that they played for the men's basketball season, the record might have been a lot better, you know, maybe a psychological thing to say that, oh, yeah, you're playing Duke tonight. But the women's team was awesome. So the floor. Yeah, well, I'll say brief on the men's before I segue back later on to that. But I was there at the Tech at Duke game. That was incredible. So I, I don't know about 
Duke on those uniforms, but maybe like UNC or something. I don't know. But the woman. Well, they, they did win at home, right? Against Duke. If I. They did win at home. They did win at home, which was great. That was a great win. And then they got the brakes beat off them in Cameron Indoor, um, which Duke was tremendous at home this year. And Duke rightly with what they're returning is going to be maybe the preseason number one team. Not, and not just because they're Duke. So, but on the women's front, what a season. Yeah, what a tremendous season. Kenny Brooks, the job he's done building this program up. I mean, this, I mean, this, is, a, this is a whole new level for basketball at Virginia Tech, period, men's or women's. I mean, neither men's or women's had ever made a Final Four. Only the men's team, back when the tournament was, men's tournament was like 30 teams, had ever made an Elite Eight. Uh, this was a tremendous team. Ne- never a one seed uh, before. In per- I mean, the highest seed basically was like a four in the modern era. Um, that we saw from the men's team recently and the women's team back in the late, back in 1999. Um, and so this was a tremendous team that lived up to the hype, you know. Well, lived up to the hype pre- and then some. Um, and then when the expectations came on of being a one seed in one of the craziest years of NCAA tournaments on both sides relative to what we've seen historically that we've ever seen, only two one seeds in the men's and women's tournament made the Final Fours, and Tech was one of those two in either side in either men's or women's. Um, ACC tournament champs. Like to the one seed, 31 wins, the most in program history. And here's the thing. You have two All-Americans returning. I don't know what ESPN, and, and I get it, you got to fill out the roster, but Kenny Brooks has a history of doing, going into the portal and doing really well. And we've seen that. Two All-Big Ten honorable mention players, plus the starter from Wake Forest being added in the, with three returning starters and a talented freshman and a talented redshirt freshman who was a top 50 recruit and a four top 100 recruits coming in. That's a pretty good mix. That's a top five team in my view preseason. And and if ESPN, when they update and the athletic, when they update their way too early rankings, don't have them in the top five, I'm sorry. I I don't know what they're thinking. They don't have the top 10. uh, I'm wondering if they act, if what they're, what, yeah, I really want to have their brains checked to see because I don't know what they're thinking, but look, this is, was a special team this year. Um, there is no doubt, and they could have absolutely won it all. You know, I think, you know, it hurt a little when Iowa beat South Carolina. Um, it, you know, the fan of me hurt a little because you knew Iowa would have been a very good matchup for Virginia Tech. Uh, but what a season they had. To do what they did, to live up to the expectation, take out Tennessee, take out Ohio State in the Sweet 16 and Elite Eight. Um, obviously, what they did, you know, getting to have sold out Castle Coliseum, um, winning the ACC tournament. And, I mean, they were there. I mean, it was it was an incredible experience getting to be there in Dallas, getting to be right behind the bench for that game uh, between Tech and LSU. Um, and it was an incredible experience getting to, to witness that. And they they had – I mean, that, that the, 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 the adjustment to the zone by Kenny Brooks, which he is not a zone guy at all, to say the least, um, that completely shut down LSU for a stretch and allowed Tech to assert themselves in a huge way and take a big lead. Um, into the third quarter, in, the, in you know, mid-third quarter. I mean, it was looking like for a little bit that might be one of the greatest coaching adjustments in the history of Virginia Tech, regardless of any sport. Uh, <laughs> and still might be in some way, because, I mean, that put them in a great spot. You know, they just ran out of gas in the fourth. Um, but this is a team, look, I, I don't like um, hyping myself up too much per se, but I, I remember I told some people preseason, that this is a fi- this was a Final Four contender, with the talent they had. Um, it lived up to it. Um, they absolutely with Kitley and Amor leading the way. Trailer Taylor Sewell was a tremendous addition. Kayla King, uh, Deja Gregg, 
obviously we expected something from after more from after Rusu. That didn't work out. That's a, don't need to dive into that. That was a mess. It's best for all parties. That's over. Um, but what a team this was. What a construction of this. I mean, you go from a five-star center who's a two-time now two-time ACC Player of the Year, point guard from Australia, an under under the radar recruit, sharpshooter and king, multiple players from the transfer portal who were all Big Ten, all ACC, and Seoul previously, and Seoul Contreras, and a JUCO recruit in Deja Gregg. I mean, Kenny Brooks found talent every which way, which I think is a symbolic of where we're at in college sports now, is you have to find talent every single spot. You know, it may look different. It may be, you know, some teams may be transferred. Like you look at LSU, that LSU team that won, a lot of transfers drove the ship. You see a lot of teams that are, you know, more so in, you know, homegrown recruits, high school recruits. You still have the Juco route. Like, you got to go in basketball, especially, for example, you got to look internationally to find talent. There's more and more talent from around the world that can really play at a high level that wants to play college hoops and doesn't want to just turn professional. Um, in men's and women's. And so I think that's a tremendous part of the story as well here. Um, so what a season. Obviously, uh, I've already, you know, I got friends in Cleveland. You know, who knows if they host me or not. But, I, you know, I'd love to be able to see next year. And, look, this team is a national title contender next year. Absolutely. This team can win a national championship. Um, this team can absolutely do it. And they have the experience now playing in the Final Four. And they have their two biggest stars, two All-American back. There's not a lot of teams that can say they have two All-Americans back next year. On the men's side, obviously a disappointing season in terms of what the expectations of making the NCAA tournament, which says a lot about this incredible run that Tech has been on and how the bar of expectation has been raised. I mean, think about it. Before Buzz Williams got to Blacksburg, this, is, this was maybe the worst job in the ACC, looking at that. This, was one of, this program had gone, Seth Greenberg had a decent run, but this seemed like a, there's going to be blips. But this is a mid, bottom half, bottom third at best job in the ACC, given the history of this league. And yes, you could say, well, some bigger programs were historically bigger programs were down, but part of that was because Virginia Tech was up. Um, obviously, a little disappointing season. I think the Hunter Couture injury obviously derailed them. I saw, you know, they started this team. They were legit. They were. There's a reason why they were top twenty-five. And what happened in Chestnut Hill, losing Couture, they they threw him off. And I think Couture wasn't exactly the same player. Like, he was shooting the ball well, but it wasn't the same defensive player, which hurt coming back. And I think that'll help going to next year. And they were just a little off. So, disappointing still. Um, this team had the capability to get the NCAA tournament. Um, they had the talent. They just got in a rut. And they just, even when Couture came back, they just couldn't get out of it. They just weren't the same. They just couldn't refine themselves. That was a really good team in non-conference play. Beat Penn State. Um, beat Oklahoma State, beat North Carolina. Uh, only loss was to a very, very, very good Charleston team. Um, so, interesting portal additions as well. They still got a little more work to do with Grant Bazzilli going to Italy. Um, that was unexpected. That that seemed very unexpected. Um, and so, Tech's got some work to do in the portal. Um, you're not going to find a like for like replacement, but you got to find you know Robbie Barron out of Northwestern. He's he's not he's not a set the world on fire type addition, but could be a very good fit down the Tech Miami UVA. Um, could be a very good addition. Twenty twenty five minutes, versatile. Um, could play the four or five. Very good defensive player. Like I said, not Grant Basile because of what he brings offensively, but could be a solid piece on a team where the stars are going to be driven by that backcourt with Padula, Rice, 
and Couture um, driving the ship with hopefully good front court play as well with Link Kidd, Makai Long. Obviously, MJ Collins is a fourth guard anyway. Link Kidd, Makai Long, Tyler Nickel, Nickel and Long getting transfers in, um, and whatever else they add in. Elijah Pokey, Cat Wessler, John Camden. This should be a deeper team. This is a team that may have Florida State's like depth where they could go nine or ten deep, which might be part of the approach if I, if I'm Mike Young next year to go nine or ten deep um, to maximize this team. So I'm and good news is Padula won't have to play a stretch where he plays four or five games at forty minutes straight, which probably wore him down Saturday. So you know that's a, I know it's a very long winded way of talking about it, but what a year for the women's team. Men's team a little disappointing, but women's team is a national title contender. The men's team can get back to the tournament next year, obviously. Well done, Jeff. You're up, friend. All right. Thanks, Matthew. Uh, Tim, let's turn our attention to football. Um, what are some of the major strengths coming back next year for the Virginia Tech football team? Yeah. I think you start with corners. Um, you look at Dorian Strong, Mansour Delane. You bring in Derek Canteen to fill the nickel spot. And just the def- defensive backfield as a whole with um, Nasir Peoples and I think Jalen Strum has tons of potential. That starting group, that, that, that five guys, and then you have some young, a lot of talented young guys to fill in behind. Obviously, safety, you need, you know, there's some looking at maybe trying to bring in another safety for depth. Um, but that's a very good unit in the defensive backfield. Um, and then, you know, Kelly Lawson, linebacker is interesting because you have the Mike linebacker spot is open, but the other two spots, Keanu Jenkins looked very good in that Sam linebacker spot. And Kelly Lawson really came on during the year. Kelly Lawson's going to be a guy, potentially a breakout star, I think, this year. You could see everything was starting to click. You know, he came to Virginia Tech, you know, as a late bloomer, four-star recruit out of, you know, kind of northwestern part of the state. Commonwealth of Virginia, the Harrisonburg, Winchester area. Um, very talented athlete. And Tech, weir- a weirdly started out receiver on the Twente. That that was bizarre. Uh, Brent Pry rectified that quickly, um, to say the least, and moved him back to defense. And, you know, by the end of the season, you know, he was inconsistent early, shown flashes, and then it started to click. He's going to be a guy who could be an all-ACC first and second team linebacker this year. There is loads of potential. Um, he has the potential to be the best kind of playmaking outside linebacker that Tech has had since Tremaine left. Um, huge potential there. And you look at running backs. Malachi Thomas being healthy. Um, I'll get to him in a second. Bayfield Toon, the transfer from North Carolina A&T. Very talented kid. Tech has loved what he's done. Looks very productive at the FCS level. And the signs are he's trans, you know, he's trans, translated up well. And then Malachi Thomas, I think, is the guy who can lead that room still. Um, look, he only played three games last year, but I don't think it's a coincidence that Tech three of their four, top four or five scoring output against the ten Power Five games they played, or nine or ten games they played against the Power Five teams, came when Malachi Thomas was healthy and on the field. Uh, I don't think that's a coincidence. That guy is a playmaker, and I think I'm a big fan of Malachi Thomas. I think he's a very solid running back, and I think that's going to be one of the strengths of this team. Um, wide receivers just want to spot the note. Um, there's a lot of transfers in. Allie Jennings, the big one, one of the best transfer receivers in the country, coming from Old Dominion. Uh, Jalen Lane out of Middle Tennessee was very productive. Miami fans may have some nightmares about him, some of the big plays he had in their ups in Middle Tennessee's upstate upset of the Hurricanes. 
Uh, two very talented guys, along with Daquan Felton, who has loads of potential. 6'5", huge target, ton of raw, but incredible ceiling. Late, late to football in terms of he started playing during late in his high school career as a basketball guy. He made the transition late to football. Those three transfers have helped that receiver room, which is one of the biggest weaknesses on last year's team. I don't know if I'm ready to say it's a strength, but it's something to monitor, along with the development of guys like Steven Gosnell, Tucker Holloway, and there are some really good young freshmen, Aiden Green, and there's one guy who wasn't on campus this spring that I think Ace Tech fans, ACC fans, I think he's going to break in to that unit and play this fall. I love his, I love just the look of him as an athlete, his skill set, Chance Fitzgerald. Remember the name. I am big on Fitzgerald. I think he can come in and be a dynamic playmaker, a four-star guy that Tech beat out Oklahoma and Michigan to get out of Tennessee. So that's where I would go in terms of some of the strengths of this team. All right, very good, Tim. Now let's go on the flip side. What are some of the major weaknesses uh, for the Hokies? In other words, what do you think uh, Virginia Tech will be working on before the first game? You know, what are questions that you think have to be resolved to have a successful season? Well, I think it starts with defensive end and you attack well. Uh, that was a weakness last year, and you lose Tyron Garvey, your best defensive end. Uh, there's a reason why Tech is actively looking in the portal for a defensive end. Outside of, you know, wanting a couple offensive line pieces, uh, defensive end or a pass rush is a priority. There's a lot of potential with Cole Nelson and C.J. McCray. They both have a ton of potential, but it's their time now. And if they don't step up, um, their, their other guys are going to get their chance at defensive end. There's a Duco and James Jeanette coming in, kind of a high up, low floor, high ceiling type guy that comes from the Juco ranks. Tremendous athlete. Let's see how he develops. Keyshawn Burgos is a guy to keep an eye on. Played a lot of special teams last year. Didn't redshirt. Uh, because he was heavily used on special teams, did get some rotational defense work later in the season. Uh, kind of a wrestling background, interesting guy. Actually wasn't really pursued by Tech collectively until Brent Pry arrived and then, you know, kind of made, flipped him late from UVA in that first, that kind of late, you know, that transition class um, to get him. And so uh, Richmond kid, I've heard a lot of good things about him from some sources. Um, and so... Keyshawn Burgos is a guy to keep an eye on, but defensive ends a spot of a concern. In terms of, that's probably a weakness of this team. Let's see what this offensive line does. Um, there's a lot of potential here, but there's a lot of new guys. You know, your left side, Xavier Chaplin, Braylon Moore, um, have never are, are, are talented young guys, but first year starters. Uh, Parker Clemens kind of regressed last year. You know, there's some reasons why, but there's a lot of potential. Can he refine that right tackle? Uh, Caden Moore moved from right guard to center, the best returning offensive lineman. We'll see how he transitions. And then right guard's kind of an open competition. Um, they're looking in the portal as well for guys, whether it means moving Caden Moore back, they find a center, a better center, or um, finding a right guard. Uh, Troy Everett out of Appalachian State and Mason Williams out of Harvard. I know we may get to some transfers in a little bit, um, but those are a couple guys to keep an eye on. Um, but – in terms of um, Mason Williams out of Harvard, Troy Everett out of Appalachian State, uh, some transfers to keep an eye on for Tech. Quarterback, I don't know if it's a weakness or not. Once again, this is how does Grant Wells develop? That is the question here. Um, how does Grant Wells develop, or can Kyron Jones win the job? Right now, Wells is clearly the leader. Um, I didn't get. To, I had a great great friend of mine's wedding, um, so I was out of town for the spring game. Um, Will Lachlan led the team for us that weekend. Um, but all impressions are Grant Wells looked a lot better. Um, but that's got to translate in the fall. 
You know, it's one thing to do in the spring. It's another thing to do in the fall. So it's going to be very interesting to see whether it's Wells or Kyron Jones. I don't think I've said this a couple times on some local radio and stuff, but I don't think this is like Grant Wells versus Jason Brown last year where you knew coming out of the spring Wells was going to be the guy. Jones is new, new, you know, new to the offense. Just arrived this spring compared to Wells having now over a year. Um, Jones is more of a raw talent, and there's more upside to Jones that makes you think he can chase down Wells. Um, I would still think right now Grant Wells, I think, is probably going to be the starter next year. But uh, that's something to keep an eye on as the summer and into fall camp. But quarterback's got to be a concern. Um, the play was lacking there. And, you know, look, I hope it works. But I'm concerned, and I've stated multiple times, and people have criticized me. I I respect it. You know, it's not like Tyler Bowen just randomly chose to do it. I, there's a plan. He has a plan. I know you have analysts that can help. Like it, just like everywhere, you have analysts that can help coach the details and technique and all that. But this is a guy who's never played quarterback in college. He's never coached quarterbacks independently before. And as an OC previously, he hasn't been the one coaching quarterbacks. Um, and he hasn't been a passing game coordinator either before. There's only one other Power 5 offensive coordinator in the country that doesn't meet any of those requirements. That's Brian Ferentz at Iowa. And look, I don't want to say that the that sets up for a hot take and all that. And I'm not saying it won't work. I hope, but I have some big concerns about that. So let's see what happens. Clearly some encouraging signs, though, on that working with what we saw from Grant Wells in the spring game. But that's a concern of mine is the quarterback position. And, you know, in all honesty, like I said, this is a pressure year for this offense. This offense, even if they're middling, okay, that's fine. They just need to make progress. If they're in the bottom tier of the Power Five in terms of offense again, I I, I think Brett Pry makes has to make a change. Um, someone else at the offensive coordinator spot. But let's see how it plays out. Good signs right now in terms of the talent being there to take this offense forward. All right, Tim. Um, and you've kind of touched on us a little bit in, in some of your earlier uh, points, but uh, who, who are some of the new recruits and transfer portal players uh, that have impressed you the most so far in the spring? And do you think there will be some uh, that will get major playing time right away? Yeah, I think you can expect that with the transfers with Allie Jennings. I mean, look, he's, you know, they're working those guys as receivers and scorers steadily. Um, but yeah, Allie Jennings, you would be stunned if he's not the wide receiver one. Tremendous talent coming from ODU. Jalen Lane probably is going to leave the slot. Or let me not say probably, he will. Um, tremendous, you know, has been very productive in Middle Tennessee State. Lots of talent there. Um, Basil Coon's going to play a lot of running back um, coming from North Carolina. Between him and Malachi Thomas, it's going to be like a 1A, 1B type deal. They're both very talented. That room is stronger. Derek Cantina, I have, we haven't mentioned him, coming from Georgia Southern. He was a freshman All-American in the COVID season. Um, then 2021 injuries kept him out. Was very good this past year. Was like all Sun Belt third team corner. Uh, will slide right into that nickel spot very well. Um, he's a very good football player. Very good leader. A um, lot of praise for him so far this spring. Um, I think he can be a guy that is a very good player immediately uh, for this team. So there's a few guys. Aiden Green. I think you, there's opportunity for true freshmen. And Aiden Green being receivers on campus already. That helps in terms of his opportunity. Um, Antonio Cotman Jr., a cornerback out of Richmond. I think he's a very intriguing guy. Um, 
because he looked like he was working with the fourth as the fourth or fifth guy at times. Obviously, a couple guys who were working their way back from injury. That's part of it. James Johnson, the corner, and Devin Alves, a safety who were redshirt freshmen who were intriguing to keep an eye on. But um, I think there's a lot to be intrigued with what I'd rather see from him. Um, Chance Fitzgerald mentioned the wide receiver him from Tennessee. Uh, that dude is going to be really good. That is a really good football player. Uh, Braylon Johnson, uh, safety from Richmond, uh, freshman coming in. Wasn't here in the spring, but he's the son of former Tech uh, DB and, you know, one of the best high school coaches, one of the most successful high school coaches in modern high school football in the Commonwealth of Virginia, Lawrence Johnson. Um, I think he's going to be an interesting kid who could work uh, from, you know, I think can work his way into the QB immediately. Um, from what I heard pre-spring, um, Tech thinks he can be that good. And I, it wouldn't shock me. He's got a lot of leadership traits. He, he knows well, and he knows the standard of what you expect at Tech. Uh, one other freshman I want to mention. This guy's probably not going to play. Most likely not going to play. We may not see him for a couple years. But one guy who had a very impressive spring was quarterback Pop, Pop Watson, uh, freshman, early enrollee from Massachusetts. Obviously, he didn't play the toughest competition, but if you look at his tape, the kid reminds me some William Pop Watson. His nickname is Pop. I I want because his name full name is William Watson the third. I kind of want World War Three. I think WW Three. I think that would be a great nickname because this guy's got some explosiveness. This guy's very creative. You know, you think of Johnny Manziel and the style of quarterback he is. It's very creative. Always thinking of possibilities to escape the pocket, make this impressive throw, and there's a lot of that creativity that Watson plays with. You can see on the high school tape. You know, put he impressed. I mean, when you'd ask about quarterbacks, Watson would also get mentioned there. He's not in this quarterback starting quarterback conversation, but he's a guy you're not going to see him much. Maybe outside of a couple games that might be blowouts, they want to work him in. Uh, he'll redshirt and all that. But I think he may be QB three over some older guys, and I think he's the long term future after Wells and Grant. Um, he's setting himself up to be. There's a lot of potential with him. So, um, not a guy who's going to be an impact this year, but. A name to just tuck away, just tuck away for the future. All right, good stuff. Good stuff, Tim. Um, Tim, do you think that Virginia Tech will be better than last year? Why or why not? And then we're going to have a... Um, a segment here that we've done, we're going to do a little bit differently than we've done in years past. Um, in the past, we've gone through each of the uh, games on a ACC team schedule uh, and getting just brief analysis of each game. But what we want to do here is just have you talk about the two most important or the two most pivotal games uh, for Virginia Tech this year. Give us your thoughts on those two games and then give us your overall record of what you, how you think that uh, Virginia Tech will do this season. Yeah, you know, I think, um, I do think they will be a better team. I think they've improved the talent on this team. Um, the defense, I think, will be very good. I think Brent Pry, being we saw it some at the end in their final game against Liberty when they beat the Flames and in Lynchburg when they were an underdog, which shows how bad last year was. I mean, look, there, there's there's almost nowhere – they almost can't go farther down. And if they go far – the only way they go farther down is if they have a Louisville-type year, and I don't think that's – you know, Louisville basketball this past year. And No, that's – no, that's not going to happen. I'll, I I can be very confident of that. Or if that happens, a million, I mean, a million injuries have happened in their playing walk-ons because all, every scholarship player known on that roster is hurt. But 
Yeah, you know, I think they're going to be better. I think this is a this this may seem weird to say. I think they're going to improve more than their record shows they improve. Because I think their schedule is tougher this year because they play a lot of those they don't play Clemson. So they play a lot of those Atlantic team, ACC Atlantic teams that Tech hasn't had to play. You know, five or six of every year and we've let's be honest, the Atlantic has been the stronger conference, stronger division. You know, now we're in a post-division era, and they got to play most the most of the ACC schedules. Those teams plus they get Pitt, um, and then you know they get UVA as well. The rest is Atlantic teams, all but Clemson, um, and so I think that's got to be factored in here. So yeah, I think my record. Um, look, I think a couple important games in terms of what this team will be. Here's a sleeper game at Marshall. Early in the season, Marshall was a very good team last year in, in the Sun Belt. Finished well. I think they have a lot of returning pieces. They should be a pretty good team again next year. They got to go to Huntington, West Virginia. If this team's going to get to a bowl game, that's not an easy game. Um, that's a week after a trip to Rutgers. And I think that trip game at Marshall is probably a tougher game than at Rutgers. Um, I think that's a sleeper game to keep an eye on. And I would be tempted to take Marshall in that game. So I think that's a game that, look, you got to be, you know, if you're going to go, if you're going to get to a bowl, back to a bowl game this year, um, that's a game that you're going to need. And that's not a gimme. Um, I think a good measuring stick game of where this team is at, I know you won't mention two, but two other games, two home games, Wake Forest and NC State. Two good programs, two good that Dave Cross and Dave Dorn have established, who may be in some transitionary years in all honesty with quarterback play and everything else nc state's a wild card because brandon armstrong reuniting with robert and i could be really really good nc state feels like a sleeper wake forest in mid-october um without sam hartman they're in a transition year but that's a good program that's a good measuring stick and it also comes after a tough stretch of you know pit at florida state and then you hit wake um at home and that's after back-to-back road trips prior to the pit game at Rutgers and at Marshall. And you have Purdue before that at home, and then ODU, and of course ODU to open the season. So I think Wake, that's an interesting measuring stick game to see. And if they, that could be another game where Tech may be an underdog, but if you can win that game, that could get Tech to a bowl game. Uh, with that said, I got Tech at five and seven. I, I think if I make my prediction today, I have them at five and seven. I think this team is, is going to be better. But I think if you're a Tech fan, you want to see progress. Year three is the year to circle. Mike, Look at what Mike Norvell and Florida State did. This Florida State and where they were at in Virginia Tech and where Virginia Tech was at, a lot of similarities. And so it, it takes a couple years. You, you know, yes, there's you can flip some things with the portal. Um, people are going to say TCU. TCU was a unicorn. And TCU actually lost more than they gained in some ways if you look back on what you thought they, what, you know, happened last offseason for them in the portal. USC is USC. They had a good bit. Some of these teams that had big bounce backs, they had a lot of talented players already there um, who weren't missed evaluations or other issues like USC and LSU were, for example, people that helped them, you know, with new coaches. Washington, you know, we don't see that every day. So I think, like I said, look at what Florida State, look at the progress, look at the mess that Florida State was. Tech was a lot of that mess. There were some things that weren't issues that Florida State, I don't know how Norvell, it's kind of overcome some of the donor culture mess, which seems to be getting itself in order. 
which good for Florida State. They seem to have gotten themselves together. But if you're Tech, year three, you want to see progress this year, and then year three this is when this team needs to be back to full relevance in the ACC. Um, if it happens next season, I would love to see it. But if it doesn't happen in the next if – if in year three Tech is still languishing around bowl eligibility and stuff, then – the seat will be get warm for Pry. I will say this: there have been some people saying, "Well, if Tech goes three and nine, you know, Brent Pry's in trouble." I I don't think so. I, I think that's absurd. Will he be on a then on a warm seat going to year three? Yes, but it, I think it's absurd to think that Tech would pull the if if the bottom you know if they have another three and eight three and nine year that Tech pulls the trigger that quickly on Pry because there's a lot of work that needed to be done. Uh, a lot of mending of fences on the recruiting trail that's happened already in the Commonwealth of Virginia. We saw it last cycle heavily in Richmond. Uh, we're seeing in Northern Virginia, we're seeing other places. And I think Tech is going to get some four-stars guys. I think this class is, is early. The early signs are very good in terms of the progress. Last class was a good foundation, and I think Tech might just land some big-time dudes. And if they can make some progress on the field, too, that can build that recruiting even more. Um, in Richmond, in finding a way to break through the wall of the 757 that, you know, seems at times some people with ego down there seem to want to send, you know, you know, talk up tech. And then, look, I, I, I'm some of them, you know, absolutely give them as many options as they can. But, you know, some of them seem to t say one thing about wanting tech to be great and then, you know, don't seem to want people at tech or UVA um, or the in-state schools. So. Uh, I could go on a diatribe all night, but I think five and seven is where Tech lands. All right. Uh, Matthew, I'm going to turn it over to you for the last couple questions in the podcast. So, Tim, you kind of touched on it briefly in your answer, but, you know, and I think you've been fair. I mean, it was only year one. I didn't expect much last year. I expected much of the same things that you said, that you try to, you want to redevelop those relationships with high schools in the uh, the Commonwealth of, Virgi Commonwealth of Virginia and that, that sort of thing so that you can, you know, build up your recruiting efforts, again, re recruiting efforts again, knowing again that it's probably never going to be the way it was in the late, you know, in the late, the late two, in the late two thousands, there because, but just because of the way the internet works and filming and how, and how active the recruiting industry is, right? To uh, unreal, wholly unrealistic to put a wall around Tidewater or the eight hundred four, but also not unrealistic to expect that you get some of those guys to come to your school to your school. So being fair and balanced, as they say regarding that but we are you know people will start clamoring i think you know how the virginia tech fan base is fam tim <laughs> they'll start clamoring a little bit after a year or two and get a little antsy if they don't see see some results here so you know i, I look to you as like a fair you know pretty a guy that has a you know a good head on his shoulders somebody that's fair and balanced you know we're pretty i consider jeff and i like that pretty pretty objective as well you know not ready, really ready to throw the oars out of the boat right away what do you think the Virginia Tech fan base is on, uh, on year two here with Pry and the Virginia Tech football team? The floor is yours. I think it depends on what part. Do you talk about Twitter or do you talk about the normal fan? Um, <laughs> um, look, yeah, I think there's a difference in that. And I think, you know, I think the normal fan is patient. I think, look, yes, the sport has changed and the, the time you get, but also because of how quick you can flip rosters nowadays, but also 
it's not it's it's still not that simple um, i think there's patience obviously if things are very very bad okay then things but you can see that this program looks like it should looks like a virginia tech football program should in a lot of ways obviously the on field results haven't been there yet but everything else around what tech football and how it's kind of being mo- a modern tech football we're starting to see it um, obviously there's got to be improvement on offense um, there's got to be improvement, but I, I think there's uh, there's cautious optimism that this is heading the right direction, knowing that it's going to take time. And I think, look, there's some people who, I mean, let's be honest, I I picked them to be seven and five um, last year. Um, I just thought they weren't. I didn't think they were that good, but I also thought the rest of the coastal wasn't very good, and that was going to help. Obviously, Duke. I think the success that Mike Elko had with he did a tremendous job in year one, skewed some things as well. That's just reality. Um, you know, I think that may have skewed some things for Tech fans, Miami fans, UVA fans, other schemes that you prefer to locate. Um, Elko deserves a ton of credit. He did a tremendous job. And, and David Cutcliffe left a very good program in place. That helps. Yes, they were struggling, but he, that helps as well. I think we saw, you know, I think we saw very quickly that we were maybe, a, you know, Tech fans and those who cover Tech, and maybe, you know, people like yourself, a little more optimistic, we'll say, generally speaking, about Tech. Um, overestimated how good how the talent of this roster is. Um, there were some national, you know, the Athlon Sports anonymous anonymous coaches survey that should have said some red flags of it, and some other you know national people were talk around the industry that was saying the ind- industry was thinking this team is not good, and we I think we saw in the ODU game a game they should have won, you know the turnovers cost them, but we think we saw the talent in that game was like this is a problem, like, we're wrong, and this team is not as talented as we thought, we, we knew there wasn't much, but this talent is lower than we, level is lower than we thought, and let's reset here, this is, could be very bad, this could be a very bad year, um, I think it, you know, the Boston College win obviously lifted some spirits, I mean, the West Virginia game, I think, brought people back to reality a little, like, okay, or start to bring people to reality, like, okay, this team's got a lot of growing. Brent Pry has some growing as a head coach, and I think we saw when he handed off the reins of calling the defensive player to Chris Marsh, who did a tremendous job in that Liberty game, Pry was able to be a better head coach um, because he wasn't managing the defense as well. Um, and, and, you know, directly. He wasn't trying to be D.C. as well. And so, you know, I think there's cautious optimism. Yeah, there needs to be improvement. Absolutely. Um, but I don't think it has to be necessarily, you know, I think people understand the schedule's tougher this year. And I think it needs, there needs to be improvement in the wins column, per se, that you realize, people realize, okay, we're on the right track. But um, it doesn't have to be like, they don't have to be going 10-2. and There will be some people who, of course, will be full panic mode if they don't go 10-2. and That's ridiculous. But, like, I think, you know, I think there's some patience here. I, I, of course, part of that's my own perspective here. If I think, you know, you look at what this program is, and like I said, next year is needs to be progress, but needs to at least be progress. Like I said, my expectations are low for next year. I don't have this. I don't even expect this team to get to a bowl game. I, I want to see a couple more wins, uh, but I think this team's still got a long ways to go. Um, I think they're on the right track, though. Do I have a Florida State type arc to go to year three? We're seeing them emerge again, as a relevant force in college football. I think this season you can see the progress and be like, okay, 
this team is trending in the right direction. That's the biggest thing. The, I think Tech fans want to see. They see the off the field. Everything continues to be trending in the right direction. Now we need to see it on the field from year one to year two, this, tre this, this trend continuing in the right direction. If not, then I think you're going to see some narratives start to peak up, and rightly so to some extent. Um, but this is a rebuild. This is a very heavy rebuild. Um, and I think Tech fans, I think it took those first few games last year to realize, holy cow, this is a re this is a this is a bigger rebuild than we fully re than we than we realized was on our hands. Um, so I am coming down to the Wake Forest game, Tim. There we go. You got you got to stop by the pregame show. I will do that. I will do that. Uh, I have no reason to expect that I won't be there. For, you know, I should be there as well in town that weekend. So. I have a question for you, and just an, a follow-up question. Do you think, Tim, that this team is stronger physically than last year's team? I think so. Um, I, th I think, like I said, it's part of it's finding the – you're building your culture up. Uh, part of it's just, like I said, the good news in some ways is you have a lot of guys returning on that offensive line. And you're, it's going to be in some ways – this is weird to say – it's a younger unit that's older at the same time. You're, it's going to be younger overall, but also you have multiple returning starters um, and, and a lot of experienced guys in what you want to do, per se, um, in, and in the culture that you want to do and why. So, yeah, they, I think there's got to be more toughness, but I think that's been a priority as well is to increase that in competition. And that's part of the, the culture. I think culture is a part of the where that physicality and stuff was missing. And I think you can see the way Brent Pry goes about it, the competition. I mean, you know, we got to see it in, you know, the one open practice I got to be up there for on a Saturday, which was open, in this case, the one that they had open to the public prior to the spring game. I mean, one of the first things early in practice they did were one-on-one -on -one goal line reps between receivers and corners, tight ends, and running backs and linebackers, and even a tiebreaker with an offensive guard. I think Caden Moore versus Josh Fuga. That's an offensive guard for the defensive tackle for those not too familiar with the tech football roster listening in tonight. Um, and so, which by the way, was one of the most entertaining things I've seen in an open practice. I mean, that, that was great. Like, you know, that, that, that you know, that was, that was, that was fun to see. Um, and I think, I think, but I think that competitive edge, um, I think is what, you know, Brent Pry is trying to instill in this program, this toughness, this, 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 this blue collar mentality that kind of got lost. Um, and I talked to some people as well. And I think, in some ways, Pry, like I said, he's been installing what he wants to do. I talked to, to a friend of mine who, you know, trains some high school athletes and stuff, and, you know, obviously is connected with tech coaches and whatnot. And he, he kind of heard that, you know, Pry let some, you know, he installed his program, but he kind of let the, player, the, the players kind of run into the walls they kind of had set for themselves. And, be, and then it was like, okay. You want to you want to keep doing this as he was installing his own things, but the final few remnants of things that maybe weren't as good kind of let them realize it themselves. And sometimes people need to do that to truly fix something. You sometimes have to make sure everybody realizes there's a problem beyond the wins and loss column. And I think Pry has done that. And I think that's we're seeing that continue to build that, and I think we'll see more of that toughness and physicality and you know wherewithal to withstand you know. And to be able to hold, close out games better. I think that Liberty game last year was huge. To close out the game, that game, the way they did. I know it's only Liberty. And I know that Liberty Liberty team fell apart at the end. And you had Hugh Freeze trying to do everything he could to get the Auburn job. 
But the way they closed out that game was, I think, a, a, a plant the flag. We are heading. We are starting to do the things that we're supposed to do. Beat an in-state group of five team. But we're also closing out against a Liberty team, Liberty team that was pretty darn good last year. Better than Tech. Go on the road. Close out a game. Close out a close game. Show the mental toughness. Show that, that not just the physicality, but show the mental toughness to get the job done. We saw that. I want less penalties, Tim. I want less penalties. There you go. <laughs> Open microphone time. What do you got for us, Tim? The floor. Yeah, you know, I think, look, um, you know, it's fascinating, I think, the time that we're in and the, you know, the shift to the basketball front for a second. Um, I think it's undeniable that ACC's been down for a few years. I don't think – I think it's been exaggerated by the national media. Uh, Ken Palm has been less kind on that regard, and you can't deny that. Um, I think my, what Miami has done has been tremendous, you know, the past couple of years. And I think – but I think the ACC is going to be head in the right direction. I think ACC basketball is head in the right direction. I think the coaching level is better. I think Wake, there are some programs that were in transition, Wake Forest. I think Tech can step forward. I think Notre Dame has made a very good hire getting Micah Shrewsbury from Penn State. That's the type of move that's slowly going to start getting this conference back to where it is. I think, in all honesty, you had some head coaches that were running towards the end of their tenures um, and just, you know, were on decline. Um, and you had some guys who, you know, just bad luck, transitions, injuries that have helped, that have caused ACC to fall down. But I think the ACC is positioned well to start to rise back up with what you're seeing at some of these programs. Obviously, Duke next year is going to be a consensus top five team. Should be in my mate. I think with Filipowski back to go with Proctor, and if you have Jeremy Roach back and Mark Mitchell, I mean, that team is – you got a bunch of big-time four, high four-star, five-star guys who are sophomores, and Roach who's been there like four years, who might be the Nolan Smith of this of the early John Shire era for comparison. Now, for a fitting comparison for John Shire. But you look at that. North Carolina, let's be honest, that team didn't, you know, I think it was clear. You know, there's all the Twitter rumors about what was going on. But they didn't like each other. There was some discourse. I think that's gone. I think North Carolina is going to be better. I think Miami with Larinaga. Larinaga's a great coach. Tony Bennett's a great coach. Mike Young's a very good coach. You know, a great coach. I mean, look at what he's done. I mean, at Tech. I mean, yes, um, this year is disappointing. But historically speaking, He's doing, you know, he's doing things that we've only seen from Buzz and maybe Charlie Moore, Charlie Moore, um, for example, um, and recruiting as well has been very good. Uh, Steve Forbes at Wake Forest, very good coach. Damon Stoudemire, let's, you know, Georgia Tech, Jeff. I know you're. I'm intrigued by Damon Stoudemire. Um, I'm, I'm very intrigued because Pacific is not an easy job, and he did pretty well there. He's Celtic. Um, he's got, he's intriguing. Florida State, you got to think, is better with Leonard Hamilton. They're going to be better. Micah Shrewsbury at Notre Dame, he's legit. Shrewsbury's legit. That Penn State job might be the worst job outside of Northwestern in the Big Ten. Uh, they don't care that much. They care more about wrestling up there than men's basketball. They get big, bigger crowds for wrestling, generally speaking, I think, than men's basketball up there. Um, Micah Shrewsbury's a heck of a coach. That's a big-time addition to the ACC as a whole. Um, and so you see these programs. Look at what Earl Graham's done in Boston College. I mean, my goodness. That guy's a good coach. Uh, good luck keeping him. I mean, good for extending him, but good luck. Because if he's a good Southeast job opens up, I, I mean, I would go after Earl Graham because that program's heading in the right direction. 
Um, NC State with Kevin Keats. Um, they're they've gone the portal very well again. I think they're I think Keats is starting to get things figured out there. Uh, Brad Brownell deserves credit. Clemson is not a, is a football school and he's done decent. Is he the long term guy? I don't think so. I think the course of that program will be running its due probably soon. Maybe I don't know. He feels like a zombie at times with how he survives when he feels like he's on the hot seat. But you look at the coaching caliber, and I think, like I said, with the additions of Kubrick, Stoudemire, look at Florida State, they should be better. Um, I think the coaching caliber is getting better again, and I think that's going to start to see the uptick in the ACC. Um, I think this ACC downturn is going to come back up. Um, I don't think it's time to completely panic. So that's where I'm going, though. I will say Louisville, um, man, Kenny Payne. I, I hope he doesn't have another terrible – it would be terrible if he just has two bad years and is gone. That would just be cruel. That, But, I mean, you can't win four games at Louisville and not be on a hot seat after one year of basketball. You you can't win one more game than, you know. You can't – there can't be only like two or three ACC football teams who won fewer games than you did win, win as a whole in men's basketball. So, and not, and not expect to be on a hot seat even after one year. Good work, Tim. Good words. Jeff, you're up, friend. Yeah, this this week, just a heads up for everyone. If you you know, don't don't um hadn't been keeping up with it, but this week is the NFL draft. I, I actually like watching the the NFL draft. I think it's a lot of fun. The NFL does a really good job showcasing teams, but some ACC players uh to keep an eye on that could really go in early in the early rounds, um, Zay Flowers at Boston College, uh, he's really moved up uh, draft charts, and, and a lot of people have him going in round one or round two. Uh, Miles Murphy, the defensive lineman at Clemson, Brian Brzee, uh, another defensive lineman from Clemson, could go early. Uh, you've got Keon White at Georgia Tech. Um, you know, they're calling him, you know, just one of the freak athletes in the draft. Um, he's um, a top two round potential pick. Uh, Matthew Bergeron, one of the offensive linemen from Syracuse. Uh, you got uh, Kalija Cansey, uh, the defensive lineman from Pittsburgh. Um, you know, kind of in that that mold of Aaron Donald. Some are saying, I mean, that's some big shoes to fill. But uh, Cansey had a had a big season at Pittsburgh. Could go pretty high. Uh, so you know, those are those are some of the players to keep an eye on in the first couple of rounds. Uh, Trenton Simpson at Clemson could, could also go pretty high. Um, but yeah, just a couple few people there to keep an eye on from the ACC in this year's NFL draft ACC, you know, kind of with, you know, backing up here a little bit, the last few years prior to, to this season, you know, since 2016, and you could see it in some of the NFL draft results. You know, typically the ACC had had finished um, usually second behind the SEC, maybe maybe third, and, and they'd kind of they've kind of slipped there. Um, I think the ACC has been a little bit on a, a, a rebound here in the last year. So uh, I'm I'm looking forward the ACE to, for the ACC to have one of their better drafts uh, than in recent years. There you go for me from my open mic. So that starts on Thursday night. Very good, Jeff. Very good, Jeff. I'm going to use my open mic to ask Tim a question. Tim, are you ready? I got. In fact, I got two questions for you. 
Uh, Tim, did you know that Mike London was a detective? Yes, he is, he is, he is. I just had to bring that up for old time's sake. Okay, second question. Who's winning the Stanley Cup? Because you know what? I am having fun watching the Stanley Cup. I'm biased. This is my favorite professional sporting event. The four is yours, Tim. Yeah, I haven't I'll be honest, I haven't watched a whole lot. I watched them on Saturday, some of the overtimes and stuff. So I, I can't say I have a uh a great um, insight. Um, of course, we know, you know, first off, the American, the U.S. teams need to make sure that Canada once again does not win it. Um, that we, that we need to make sure that we continue to, our dominance over the, over the Canadians, um, over Canada as a country in hockey. Um, but on a serious note, yeah, I mean, look, Boston had an incredible year. Just doing some basic research, they were incredible. Um, Colorado could easily repeat Edmonton with Connor McDavid is special and you know Toronto's fascinating with Austin Matthews and the talent that he is as well the Rangers have put a lot getting Patrick Kane and everything else so there's some interesting teams to keep an eye on um in there I, I don't know if I I don't know I, I feel like at some point Connor McDavid's gonna win one in Edmonton um like he's such a talented player now is it like Ovechkin <laughs> Which look, I'm just glad they won one. Look, I thought I'm a cap, huge Caps fan and big Caps fan. Went up there for the. I, I always remember watching that game. Um, my dad was a season ticket holder. Uh, when he when he was out of college, um, he was season ticket holder. Eventually, by the time he was married, he wound down from that. But he was a big cap. I'll remember, you know, at a friend's house, right after I graduated college, just still in Blacksburg, and a few friends of ours went up to the parade afterward, watching that game when they beat the Knights. To win the cup, beat the Golden Knights and do so in Vegas, and I, you know, that was one of those things we always knew. Caps fan, Caps were cursed until they won it finally that year. Um, that was a, I remember talking to my dad after that was really cool. So, um, I, I don't know, I, I you know, I, I'm gonna, I'll say Edmonton. Um, you know, as much as I, you know, would love to see the U.S. keep the cup, um, collectively. I don't know, Connor McDavid is special, and so. They they feel like I know they're down two one to the Kings, but I just realized that and they're in some trouble. So they are in trouble, and they may lose tonight. They they're down three to two in the third period right now. Um, and revise to uh, <laughs> revise the Colorado repeating real quick here. Okay, <laughs> we'll give you a chance to revise that. Yes, <laughs> the Bruins or the Rain. It is weird though. Like I said, being a Caps fan, they haven't missed the playoffs in a long time. I know they're probably headed to a rebuild here, here soon. I hope they can. Do it quick and get Ovechkin one last run at a cup, get a second or third cup. Um, but yeah, um, I mean, you know, like I said, I don't think I. I mean, the if the Pens or the Flyers win, obviously I couldn't pick them as a Caps fan. Um, I don't think I could pick the Bruins, even though they're probably the the the, the safe pick. I don't think I'd pick the Bruins. Carolina fans want to say there's. A, I could probably pick Carolina. If Carolina fans want to kind of say there's a rivalry. Is there? I don't know. Um, though, of course, bring hey, bring the outdoor, bring one of those outdoor games, bring another Caps Canes outdoor game. And instead of in Raleigh, we've been in, you know, DC's had an outdoor game before, bring it to Lane Stadium. Come on, give me, 
give me an outdoor hockey game in Lane Stadium. I mean, imagine Winter Classic. They've done it at Notre Dame Stadium. They've done it at Michigan Stadium. I know Lane Stadium doesn't have the same trademark name as some of those places per se, but give us a Winter Classic, Caps, Canes, pretty equidistant in some ways in Blacksburg at Lane Stadium. I don't know how it would work, but by golly, I want to see it. Uh, so here's what else. Here's what I'll tell you about the Stanley Cup because I have been watching it extensively this year, and it's pretty amazing to me that Winnipeg almost went up two one the other night. That night they went into a double overtime game with uh, the what I would argue might be one of the favorites from the West, right? The Vegas Golden Knights and and Vegas won in double overtime over Winnipeg to go up two one, and they're up in Winnipeg, and that is certainly. You know, that is the only professional sports team in Winnipeg in Canada, and they were just going nuts up there. The fact that Seattle in year two of its franchise can 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 basically be in a situation where it's extremely competitive with um with uh, the former Stanley with the I should say with the defending Stanley Cup champion Colorado Avalanche to me is incredible. Every series is competitive in this first round, and the NHL has something to say. It really has something special going on, Tim and Jeff, because I'm sitting here in a situation where, I mean, save it, you know, LA may be the only one, and only one to possibly be up 3 1. I mean, I say Edmonton's coming back here. I will be interested to see if Connor McDavid actually stays in Edmonton or if he decides to exit just like Wayne Gretzky get, did to the bigger media markets in the United States where he can make a lot more money and perhaps be part of a team with bigger access to capital markets than Edmonton. That's always been Edmonton's problem in a smaller smaller market. But I can't I can tell you guys I have enjoyed watching the Stanley Cup so much this year and I, I I hope to I hope to continue it. I wanted to I wanted to be the last one this year. Last it was the last sport to end last year. It ended after the NBA. I think it will be no different this year because I think every series will be competitive, and I'm really excited to watch it. Tim, thank you so much for joining us tonight on the All Sports Discussion ACC podcast. Both Jeff and I loved having you come on the show, and we'd love to have you come back on. During the show, during you know, in the show this year, during one of the ACC football weeks. Thanks for coming on, friend. Absolutely, always enjoy being on. Would love to come on again. Look forward to the next time. All right, take care, guys. Have a great week.